I was in a place this week working, and just for whatever reason, the place all of a sudden filled up with a pastor's breakfast. And um, I was eavesdropping, because that's what I do. And uh, listening to these pastors just stress over the holidays. And man, they were talking, man, into each their own, I get it. And they were talking about, one of them was talking about how the service this last week had run. This is what he said. He said, 72 seconds over. I was like, oh, man, that seems really stressful. And uh, the other one's like, yeah, I get so frustrated. This doesn't go right and this doesn't go right. And, you know, we're dealing with this and we're dealing with that. And um, I start laughing. I didn't realize I was laughing out loud. And um, one of the guys recognized me and he said, I know you've got something to say. And I'm about four tables away. And I said, I don't have anything to say. I said, I, I wasn't even listening to you guys. <laughs> and he said, well, you know how it goes, the stress of the holidays in the church. And I said, no, I, I don't because, man, we're just probably laid back to a fault. And I said, man, we don't do anything except have church on Sunday and then serve our community. And he was like, I, I just don't understand how that works. And I said, I don't really understand how it works either. And I said, I'm not sure that it works really well, but it's just what we do. And man, this has just been one of those mornings. It's just kind of a weird laid back vibe around here. And man, I got to admit, I dig it. I was so burned out in my previous life from the business of church and I get, here's the reality, man. Church, there's a business aspect of it. You've got to run in a certain way and do certain things. But, man, it's so refreshing. You know, we just show up and we get to worship God. We don't have to worry about all those things. It actually makes me enjoy being around you guys every now and then. And so, man, it's been a good morning. Somebody say amen. amen. The most wonderful time of the year. Very quickly for so many of us turns into the most miserable time of the year. <laughs> this will be Christine and I's fifth holiday season together. And if we aren't careful, what can be the greatest time of the year quick, can quickly become the time where you almost kill each other time of the year. I had a situation Thursday, I think, it was no Friday. And have you ever had one of those days where everywhere you turn, you're just getting your butt lit up. Somebody's cussing at you. Somebody's hollering at you. And man, no matter what you do, it's not the right thing. And um, we had a situation down here. And this guy calls me. and It's never good when the conversation starts immediately, immediately. I'm so-and-so. I'm a lawyer in town. And you're like, oh, God. And I'm like, which one of our idiots are in jail? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he just starts to light me up about a situation that I had probably done wrong. I probably should have asked permission before I did it. And, you know, and then, you know, I don't do good with criticism real well. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And he just kept on. And then you get to the point where you get irritated. You're like, dude, I've apologized to you 20 times. I can't go back and change it now. I'm sorry. I didn't think anything about it. He just kept on. And then he wanted to meet face to face. And I met face to face with him. And he was just lighting me up. And there's just sometimes you got to take it because you know, man, if you don't take it, it's going to become a bigger situation. And so I took it and then the stress of that along with the other stress I might have possibly a little bit maybe this much because I couldn't take it out on the lawyer snapped at my wife and I left the house I know none of y'all would say this to your husbands and I know she's a pastor's wife and she should be very convicted of it but I heard it through the door fine you a-hole you know and like I was like man it's, it's just stressful you know what I mean and I got in the car, and I wanted to be mad at her, but I'm like, I can't be mad at her because I'm really the wrong one. All she was trying to do was calm me down. And, you know, I even looked at her and said, I don't want to be calmed down right now, you know. And um, the reality is, man, it's just a stressful time of the year. But here's the deal with that. That's not an excuse not to know how to handle stress. Life is stressful. My pet peeve in life is when people blame their horrible decisions on the fact that life is stressful. I did this because of this. Man, you just don't know about my life and how stressful it is right now. And you just want to be like, yeah, I do get it because here's the deal. Everybody's life is stressful. We have bills to pay and jobs and spouses and kids and extracurricular activities in school with the kids and this activity and that activity. And life is just stressful. And then the holidays come along. And the same stress that you deal with every single day doesn't go anywhere. 
just more stress gets piled on top of it. And along with the normal stress of the holidays, at least in our house, and I'm sure in your house there's other things, but in our house, now suddenly the kids' craziness of their schedules. You know, it's not enough when you have 722 kids like we do. Every night of the week, one of them has something at school at night. Here's the deal. I love my kids. I don't really need to go to the school on a weeknight to hear them sing two Christmas songs just as an excuse for the principal to get up and tell me all the stuff I need to be doing with the school to help the school. Just send me an email telling me what I need to do. Because on Monday, we have chorus. And then here's the problem. Cool. I sign my kid up for chorus. Chorus comes on. But then if you don't sign your kid up for chorus on Tuesday, they still have a singing thing at the school. I didn't sign this kid up for chorus, so why are they singing two songs? So now I'm at the school on Monday, and I'm at the school on Tuesday. And oh, yeah, the other kid, he's in the high school band. And guess what? The band not only has a winter concert in November, they have a Christmas concert in December. So now it's Wednesday we're at the school, and then Thursday we're at the school, and then Friday they have to be here, and Saturday they have to be there. And that's just the kids during the holiday season. And then the same bills, here's the deal, my house payment doesn't change during December. My car payment doesn't change during December. My utilities don't change during December. But you come along and now you add the stress of the financial spending that comes during the holidays. And it just becomes a little more stressful. And we're a blended family, so then you've got to juggle everyone's schedule. Because there's 727 kids. And this family wants to get together on this day. And this family wants to get together on this day. And this family wants to get together on that day. And this family wants to get... And it turns into every single day of every single hour from Thanksgiving Day to Christmas Day, there's something going on. And so the craziness of a schedule suddenly becomes crazier. The holidays just make things crazy. And then you have to deal with family during the holidays. And sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's a bad thing. The good thing is the family that you like and you see on a regular basis, you're cool with. But then there's those family members that you avoid all year long. I know you would never do that. None of you will amen because you're next to your spouse right now. But I'm just saying, you do everything in your power to avoid them. You try not to be in the same place they are at the same time. Like my family, my side of the family, the only good thing about my side of the family is is they all feel that way. So they all, all year try to avoid contact with each other. But then my mom finally pitches such a big fit that everyone finally submits at Christmas. I'm like, let's get together. And this year, but here's, here's the deal. My family knows it's so cantankerous when everybody gets together that this year it's literally turned into this Saturday Hey, why don't everyone drive over early in the morning? <laughs> this is how minuscule it's become. It used to be the big spread and the turkey and the ham. And my mom's like, we'll have some donuts. We can see the grandkids and y'all can all leave. Because my mom knows the longer she has everyone together, the more opportunity that something is just not going to happen that looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. Man, the holidays are crazy. And then my wife is from out of state, so her family's from out of state, so some of them flying. So listen, that's a whole nother level of stress. Not them coming into town, but driving to the airport. That will make anybody an alcoholic or an addict. I remember, I believe it was last year, we went to pick her mom up at the airport, and I had never seen anything like it in my life. They had one whole section of the airport closed off, because that makes sense, to start construction in December. And we literally sat in line. If I'm lying, I'm dying for an hour and a half to go pick her mom up. But here's the problem. The minute we got to the slot, it wasn't perfectly coordinated with her mom to be there at that moment. So we had to do the whole loop again. Another hour and a half. While her mom, bless her heart, is texting, where are y'all? We're in line. (laughs) We've been in line for three hours. And you want to be excited when she gets in the car because you haven't seen her forever, and you're, you're, you are excited to see her, but you're so frustrated with the airport, you're like, just get in the car! <laughs> and then your wife's like, you just have to my mom because it has nothing to do with your mom. It has to do with the airport. I hate it. The holidays are just stressful. 
And then, my gig as a pastor, I, I, I always joke, I have a pretty good gig, man. I work one day a week for an hour a day. But the holidays are crazy. We run the warming shelter. We do our Christmas giveaway. We give Canton the bird. We have so much stuff that goes on during the holidays. That gets added to the stress. And then there's the financial stress for me personally because I make all my money through events that all happen back in the spring and the fall. So amazing thing happens, all that money starts to run out right around the holidays. So I said all that to say this. Christmas is stressful. And how we respond to that stress will determine the type of holiday season that we have. Though it's the craziest time of the year, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I start looking forward to the holiday season right about mid-October. My wife will tell you, I start getting excited about the lights and the trees and the family and the food. I love Christmas. But if I'm not careful, it can go from those wonderful time of the year to one of the most horrible times of the year. And what we decided this year, what I decided this year, because, man, I, I kind of went through some stuff last year and ruined the most wonderful time of the year. And I decided this year, man, I am going to get back to enjoying the holidays. And Christine and I have been very intentional about taking steps and working through things and dealing with the stress that comes along. And I would say about 90% of it we've handled really, really well. And those 10% of the time, man, it goes whole another level of crazy. But we decided going in that we were going to thrive this holiday season and not just to survive this holiday season. The craziness of the holidays can be summed up in one word and one word only, and that's the word stress. Let me ask you a question this morning. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being none at all and 10 being, man, I am ready to jump out of the car and bash somebody's skull in, snap and go crazy, how stressed would you say? If you say, I'm a one, man, I don't feel an ounce of stress this holiday season. One, Tom Hunt. You ever notice that Tom Hunt's just the most chilled, laid-back dude in the world? At prayer meeting the other day, and everybody's talking about marriage, and Tom's like, I've been married 78 years. My wife and I, this is what he said. I want to punch him in his face. My wife and I, we've never had a fight. Well, good for you, Tom Hunt. Get out. Now here it is, the holidays, and Tom's over there at a one on the stress scale. Only Tom, though. That's what happens when you're retired. How many say, I'm about a four or five during the holiday season, this holiday season? How many of you say, I'm a seven? I'm a seven right now. How many of you, just be honest, because I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand, and say, man, I am a ten in the stress scale during this holiday season. I'm a ten. Thank you for being honest. The holidays are stressful. Life is stressful. And that stress gets magnified during the holidays. Financial stress, family stress, calendar stress. How about this kind of stress? This is my favorite kind of stress. How about the stress that doesn't exist, but you convince yourself it does exist? <laughs> what if this happens? Well, what if it happens? I mean, I get, I get all worked up over that stress, the non-existent stress. Because my mind is crazy, and it just makes it insane. And I get all stressed about all this stuff, and it never even transpires. The issue is everyday life is hectic, and the holidays just magnify it. We had that everyday stress, but you add the stress of the holidays, and it just seems like it magnifies. Sometimes if you're having marital stress, it's just magnified during the holidays. If you're having financial stress, it's magnified during the holidays. No, the holidays just come along. And they take everything up about 10 times at a higher level. And we have got to learn how to deal with stress if we're going to thrive in life. Because here's the reality of the situation. You're never going to be able to avoid stress. You can't go around stress. You can't go over stress. You can't go under stress, no matter what you do in life, it is impossible to avoid stress. So what do you do with stress? You've got to learn how to handle stress. You've got to learn what to do when stress comes along. Stress is part of life. Bless your heart that you're stressed out right now. 
Most of the stress in your life is probably self-induced. But maybe some of it's not. Maybe you're stressed because of something out of your control. It doesn't matter why you're stressed. The reality is, is life is full of stress. <laughs> During the holidays, though, man, we're pulled in a million different directions. And what happens is we allow the stress to consume us, overcome us, and it destroys the holidays for us. The happiest time of the year becomes the worst time of the year. So what I want to do today is I want to look biblically at the subject of stress. Because this book has the answer to everything that we deal with in life. I don't care. You might be here today and say, man, I don't even believe there's a God. I'm an atheist and I just come check this place out. Awesome. We're so glad you're here. Here's the reality of the situation. This book has the answer for whatever it is you're going through. You don't even have to believe there's a God to pull the powerful principles that are found in this book. And this book talks about the subject of stress. I've been in full-time ministry for about 20 years now, and i got to be honest, I have a spreadsheet on my computer. To the best of my recollection, I have preached on stress only three times in 20 years. It's just not a subject you hear talked about a lot, yet it's a subject we all deal with. And I don't know why we don't talk about it in the church. I don't know why pastors don't talk about it. I don't know why I haven't talked about it. Maybe it's because we don't want to be hypocrites. And we don't want to get up and talk about something that maybe we don't have a grip on. Because, man, I am the king. I am the chief among sinners when it comes to stress. I'm that guy that when I'm stressed, everybody around me knows that I'm stressed. I'm that guy that when I'm stressed, not only am I stressed, I make everyone else around me stressed. I'm that guy that when I'm stressed, not only makes my life miserable. Hey, if I'm going to be stressed, everybody's going to be stressed. And that really makes the situation a whole lot better. But as I get older... I'm starting to learn a little bit how to deal with stress. I think that I have reached that age in my life. I'm 42 years old. And at 42 years old, you have reached that adulthood age where there's other people that are adults, and you're like, man, I could be their parent. That's like, to me, that's depressing, you know. And as I watch, I feel so old even saying this. As I watch these young adults deal with stress, it's amazing to see how bad they handle it. And then it's looking, like looking in a mirror and being like, well, and that's how I handle it. And I look the same way, except I'm 20 years older and I ought to know better. And every time that I don't get a grip on my stress, for me it magnifies and multiplies and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and causes destruction everywhere it goes. So in the last year, I've been very intentional about learning how to properly deal with my stress. I've been reading what the book has to say about it. I've been talking to others about what they do in regards to stress. And by no means do I have it under control. Case in point, 48 hours ago on a Friday, my wife called me a very vulgar name as I was leaving the house. Oh, and she just walked in. There she is. I felt very brave saying that earlier. She wasn't in here. And now she is. Now, again, I can't stand hypocrites. So let me give you the disclaimer before. I'm going to show you what the Bible says about stress. By no means do I live this out as an expert. I'm trying to live it out. I don't want to get up here today and come across like I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching with you. I'm simply showing you some things that God has revealed to me in my own life through his word, and I'm working through, and they seem to be, for the most part, changing a huge aspect of my life, how I deal with stress. The Bible says this in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart. Stress, pressure, anxiety, not knowing how to deal with the things that get thrown at us in life, weighs down the heart. And nothing affects you like your heart. As your heart goes, so you go. As my heart is right, 
I'm right. As I'm learning how to emotionally deal with something in the right way, I know how to deal with something in the right way. When I'm allowing stress and pressure and anxiety and my heart is full of tension and not handling things properly and I won't let go and let God, it's during those days that I try to, try to take control and I always head down the wrong path. Anxiety weighs down the heart. As my heart goes, there I go. And then what happens is stress comes along, it affects the heart, and then it begins to affect us, not only mentally and emotionally, but it begins to affect us physically. My wife and I the other day were talking about an individual that is going through a lot of stress. And I made the comment to my wife. I said, have you seen them lately? And she said, I have. I said, man, they look horrible. They just look like they've been run through the ringer. And she agreed and the problem is this person's going through a lot of stress and a lot of situations, and they're not handling those situations right. And it literally is physically affecting them. So as our heart goes, it affects us mentally and emotionally, but it begins to affect us physically. It causes us to have high blood pressure. It causes ulcers. It causes heart disease, anxiety, sleeplessness, digestive issues, weight gain. For some people, it causes weight loss. And as the stress in our life comes, it not only affects us mentally, it not only affects us emotionally, but it begins to affect us physically. And as we're physically affected, that affects our emotions that much more, our mentality that much more. And it's this vicious, crazy cycle that we have to break. Stress will literally kill you. Stress comes along, it begins to affect us, and we deal with it in the most unhealthy ways because we don't know how to handle stress. We don't know how to handle pressure. We don't know how to handle anxiety. So what happens is we, we turn to something, we turn to alcohol, we turn to drugs, we turn to unhealthy relationships, we turn to anger, eating poorly, whatever it is, whatever the way it manifests itself in your life, and then it begins to affect us that much more. We don't know how to handle stress, so we handle it in a horrible way, and again, that crazy cycle continues and continues and continues. Anxiety weighs down the heart. The heart affects us physically. Physically, we start doing things we shouldn't do. And again, we're just deeper and deeper and deeper on the hamster wheel of stress. Did you know that doctors and scientists say that, eight, listen, this is mind-boggling to me. They say that 80% of our physical illnesses, 80% are related, are made worse by stress. Eight out of ten times when you're sick, eight out of ten times when people are physically not feeling like they should, it directly or indirectly is caused by stress. Eighty percent. That's huge. If I got an 80 on a grade when I was in high school, man, I thought I had conquered the world. If eight out of ten times you're successful at something, man, you're in the top one percent of your profession. Eighty percent of all illnesses are caused by stress. Stress can literally kill you. And it is killing so many of us. It's killing the people we love the most. Simply because we don't know how to step back, slow down, and look at biblical principles on how to deal with stress. And again, here's the thing about stress, especially holiday stress, it's not a new thing. You can go back to the first Christmas ever and see one of the most stressful situations you've ever faced, you've ever read. You think you got it stressful. You think you're going through a hard time. I mean, that's what happens, too, when we're going through hard times. We think we're the only ones going through it. Nobody knows how bad I have it. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what... I'm dealing with, and we don't realize that everyone around us is dealing with the exact same exact thing, stress. Go back and think about the first Christmas. Go back and think about the first events. They were filled with almost unimaginable stress. I mean, think about it. It starts, now maybe you've seen some crazy things in your life, but it starts with an angel showing up and scaring the daylights out of people. Angel shows up to Mary. Angel shows up. I, I, 
I've done some crazy things in my life, and I've taken some crazy things in my life, and I've seen some crazy things while doing those crazy things, and I ain't ever had an angel show up and start talking to me. And if you have, you're lucky to be alive. So the angel shows up stressful. Then Mary's knocked up out of wedlock. Oh, by the way, BTW, she's a virgin. How many people are believing that story? Then Joseph, her husband-to-be, quietly wants to break off the marriage. So she's never had sex. She's knocked up. Angels come to him. Joseph's ready to leave her. Joseph's just chilling, thinking about leaving his wife. An angel shows up to him and says, Hey, by the way, that woman you're about to leave, she's carrying the Son of God. <laughs> oh. Hey, by the way, she's carrying the Son of God and we want you to take care of her. We know that you find it hard to believe that she's still a virgin because she's got that baby in her belly. But we're telling you it's true. Me, the angel. Remember me that you've probably never seen before, just angel showing up talking to you like this right here? You're going to take care of her. Joseph's like, cool, I'm going to take care of her. Then a decree is sent out that everyone must return to their homeland for the census. <laughs> so by law, he has to get his pregnant wife loaded up and travel back to his hometown. You didn't get on a plane. You didn't get on a train. You didn't get in the Yukon with the DVDs playing for the kids, the music you can listen to in the leather seats, and just drive on down the highway. You got on a camel, or you walked, and they walked hundreds of miles back to their city. <laughs> so now Joseph finds himself on a road with a pregnant wife that he's never had sex with, and she says she's a virgin, and he believes it because, hey, oh, yeah, that angel showed up and told him. And not only is she pregnant, oh, yeah, she's pregnant with the Son of God. You're talking about some responsibility. We're right now in our life taking care of a child that's not ours. I couldn't imagine what it's like to take care of the Son of God. Here's the deal. He's going to be perfect. He's going to be flawless. When he tells you he didn't do it, he's not lying. Yeah, you know. You're going to love him. You're going to raise him. And oh, by the way, when he's 33, he's going to be crucified for the sins of the world. And you're going to have to watch that unfold. Yeah, it's a little stressful. I, I, with all due respect to Mary, and I know if you grew up as a Catholic, man, she's a sacred thing, and I'm not trying to be little Mary. But she's pregnant, on the road, walking or riding a camel. I imagine she wasn't in the best mood. She's probably pretty grumpy. Joseph's probably in a horrible mood because he hadn't listened to her. And he probably feels like a failure. Man, he's like, man, what am I doing? I'm taking my wife and we're traveling. And, man, this is crazy. It, stressful. Then he shows up into town and he can't find anywhere to stay. And you know what she told him. I told you to call ahead. I told you to get on Priceline. I told you that the rooms would fill up, and you didn't listen, and now I'm pregnant. I've never even had sex. Nobody believes that. They think I'm the town whore. I'm carrying a child. By the way, it's the son of God in case you forgot, so where's he going to sleep at tonight? All you had to do was call ahead and plan. We took the family on a cruise this year, and we decided to go down the night before. Christine may or may not have said, hey, call ahead and get a hotel. I said, hotel for what? It's around the port. There's going to be hotels everywhere. There were hotels everywhere. And everybody in those hotels was full of people getting on the cruise ship. And we stayed in a place that I slept with one eye open all night long. And, you know, you're trying to spin it to, this ain't so bad, it's one night. I think the tile in there actually really is black. You know, I get it. Yes, I, I think those guys were shooting up in the parking lot. Hey, we're going to be on the other side of this door. It's all good. Like, you're just trying to spin it. It's so nasty. Like, you're, like it's a hotel, but you're in your flip-flops in the shower. 
But you got to be positive because you know she's thinking, I told him to get a room. We're sleeping. Like, we didn't even sleep under the covers. We slept in full clothes like this. Like, it was horrible. I know what Mary's going through. I've been there. Then not only they like, hey, God, I know what he's doing. He's spinning it. Baby, there, there ain't no hotel room, but guess what? I found a stable. Listen, they're going to put some fresh hay in there. Babe, how cool to go back with nature and just give birth to this baby. Well, she didn't know this was going to give birth. We're just going to go in there and sleep with the animals. We're going to get in touch, man, with, with wilderness. He, I mean, he's trying to spin it, and she ain't buying it. They get in the stable, and lo and behold, he's about to go to sleep. And she's like, Joseph, my water just broke. And they got to spring into action in the stable. Don't talk to me about how stressful life is. They understood stress. <laughs> and then, after the baby's born, they find out that Herod says, man, we're going to kill all the children because he heard about Jesus and he didn't want to make sure he wasn't raised up and rose to power. So now they're hiding out, trying to hide their child. Kind of puts things in perspective, don't it? Stress is nothing new. And that, to me, is what's so amazing about this book. There's nothing that you and I have ever been through that hasn't already been recorded in here. And not only does it tell the story, it shows some incredible principles on how we need to deal with stress. Mary and Joseph, they experienced stress during the holiday season like never before. But they did some key things to get through it. As you're dealing with stress in everyday life, but especially during the holidays, I just want to point out some things to you. Some things you ought to write down because you're going to have to go back to them because in the, in the insanity of the moment, when the stress is hitting, there's going to be a lot of things on your mind and this isn't going to be one of them. But you can literally destroy everything around you if you don't handle your stress right. Now remember, you can't go around it, you can't avoid it, stress is there. So you can either deal with it wrong and make it ten times worse, or you can start to deal with it biblically and possibly get through it and come out on the other side for the better. 2,000 years later, during the holidays, and we're still dealing with stress, don't tell me this book is irrelevant. The first thing they did was they understood God's purpose in their stress. They understood God's purpose in their stress. You are going to deal with stress. And you better step back and begin to discover the purpose in that stress. I think one of the biggest keys and one of the most overlooked aspects of handling stress is that we don't step back and ask ourselves, what is the purpose in this stress? Everything you go through in life, there is a purpose to it. But we overlook the purpose because we're dealing with the stress of it. We're too busy trying to survive in the middle of it. We're too busy trying to put out all the fires that's created. We're too busy trying to juggle the thousands of balls that come along with the stress. Instead of stepping back, breathing, examining the situation and say, what is the purpose of what I'm going through? What is the purpose of what I'm dealing with? What is the purpose of why I'm in this situation? Is God trying to teach me something? Is God in the process of teaching me something? Is the lesson I need to learn that I make stupid decisions and I make stupid uh, actions and my consequences for my actions are this? I, I don't know what it is, but I can guarantee you this. There's a purpose in your stress. I have no doubt that one of the reasons that Joseph and Mary were able to get through this stressful time is because they 100% understood the purpose. Every time they begin to get overwhelmed, every time they begin to snap, every time they wanted to give up, every time they got frustrated, every time the stress began to overwhelm them and the anxiety began to weigh down their heart, I have zero doubt in my mind they were able to step back, breathe, and say, ah, but there's a purpose in this. And the purpose is found in Matthew 1. This is how the birth of the, Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Man, Joseph's an awesome man. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because she had conceived. What is conceived is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. This sucks. We're pregnant. We're traveling. We're dealing with all this stuff. Man, my husband's being looked down on. People are whispering behind his back. People are whispering about me behind my back. We've got to travel all this time. But you know what? We know why we're doing this. We know why we're going through this. We're going through this because God has chosen us to bring the Son of God for the whole world. They understood there was a purpose in their stress. They were about to give birth to the one the Old Testament prophets had foretold about. As crazy as things were, they were this way because it was foretold before they ever existed. As you're going through stressful times, listen to me today. As you're going through stressful times, you've got to be able to step back and figure out what is God's purpose in your stress. That's hard. That means you've got to step away from it for a minute. You've got to breathe for a minute. You got to quit dealing with the mess as the mess comes and you've got to look at the big picture. You got to step away from the tree and look at the forest. See, we have life. It's always amazing. I I love we live in this day or what are they called um drones? Everybody's got the drones nowadays. And I love when people post videos of drones. It's amazing. Someone posted a video the other day. They were in downtown Kent. It was a drone. And they were filming it. And it was amazing how far you could see. I could actually, I paused it, could see my house from the drone on Main Street. That's how far you could see. Here's the deal. When I'm ground level, all I can see is what's right in front of me. But when you get up above everything, you can see for miles and miles and miles. In the midst of your stress, you've got to step back you got to quit trying to fix it. you got to quit trying to get it to go away. you got to quit trying to band-aid it. you got to quit trying to make it right. And take a little while and say, you know what? What is the purpose of this stress? Because when the times get hard, and they're going to get hard, the only thing that might get you through is staying focused on the purpose of that. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians. It says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's a purpose in your pain. There's a purpose in your heartache. There's a purpose in your stress. But you got to step back and figure out what it is. As you're going through, we need to understand that we serve a God who's a God of purpose. Nothing happens in our life haphazardly. There's a purpose in everything. See, we tend to think there's only a purpose in the good things. There's a purpose in the bad things. There's a purpose in the heartache. And here, it might be 100% self-induced, but there's a purpose in it. It might be that stress is the wake-up call for you. It might be that stress is the slap across the face. It might be that stress is the thing that's about to tell you, you know what, you're about to blow everything in your freaking life because you're selfish and you're an idiot and you better get it together. There's always a purpose in our stress. See, here's the deal. We look at everything, including stress, through our perspective. But God's perspective is so much different. We're so caught up in what's going on right now and how we feel at the moment. And God said, I'm not worried about today. I've got an eternal perspective. We're looking at today. And God said, I'm looking at three months from now. I'm looking at six months from now. He said, I'm shaping you and I'm molding you and I'm preparing you because I know the path. He says in Isaiah, I go before you and I make the crooked places straight. He said, I've already been where you haven't been. I've already seen what you haven't seen. You don't understand it today, but there's going to come a time and there's going to come a day that all things work together, Romans 8, 28, for the good of those who love the Lord. And I know what I'm doing. Somebody say amen today. It sucks in the moment. But man, there's a purpose in it. There's times in our marriage that it sucks. There's times that it's stressful. There's times that have been through hell, and I'll take the blame. It's always been my fault. Yes. But you know what? During those times, as rough as they were, as tough as they are, as painful as they were, here's what I believe. When we're sitting on the front porch celebrating 50 years, 
We're not going to remember those times. We're just going to remember the times that those caused because they changed some things. There's times that I've been so broke, I literally didn't know how I would get to work by putting gas in my car. And it was during those times that it shaped me and molded me and taught me how to learn how to deal with my finances. There was times when me, when my children wanted nothing to do with me because of decisions I'd made, and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But my relationship today is what it is because of those times. We didn't see it in the moment, but God saw it in his eternal perspective. <laughs> One of God's purposes for stress is that he wants to build our character. See, stress brings out who we truly are. And what I found out in the last few years is that when stress brings out who I truly am, I don't like who I truly am. And i got to change who I don't believe people can change. Well, I do. I believe God can change people. But I believe it's work. And I believe you got to work the steps. And if you work the steps, the steps work. And I don't know what your steps are, but they're there. And change is painful. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, guess what we found at the Lamb House? We're working at teaching an old dog new tricks. We got a five-year-old dog that probably we didn't do the best job at training in some things in life. We've got a dog that's five years old and acts like a freaking idiot anytime somebody comes around. We have a five-year-old dog that is a golden retriever that is supposed to be the greatest family dog of all time that hates kids, that hates anybody around it. And it got to the point in the last couple of weeks, my wife loves this dog. She literally, I think it was God's way of just, the day before she's like, I, we're sitting there doing nothing. And she said, I love this dog. It's the greatest. And they do, they have this weird bond. And the next day, the dog did some stupid stuff. So stupid that we thought we were going to have to get rid of the dog. And man, my wife does not get rid of animals. That's a big deal. And man, she's tore up from the floor up. And everybody's like, you can't retrain a dog. She meets with a dog trainer. I said, before you get rid of that dog, we got to do everything we can to look ourselves in the mirror and know we did this and this. And she meets with a dog trainer, and the dog trainer says, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to do that. was literally six days ago. In just six days of being intentional, of teaching, it's like a different dog after six days. We had to teach the dog who the boss was. Sometimes God's got to teach us who the boss is. Now, we got a long way to go, but here's what I learned. You can teach an old dog new tricks if you want to work with the dog. If you want to put the work in, the work works. When it comes to stress, man, sometimes when the stress happens, it, it just brings what's inside of us out. Last year, the shelter was open, and, you know, I think last year, if I remember correctly, the first day of the shelter kind of came out of nowhere. Like, we didn't know it was supposed to be cold, and temperatures dropped, and we're scrambling. Where's the cots, and where's the blankets? And, and Mike was around here, Homeless Mike was around here, and Mike was going to run it. Yes, everybody has nicknames around here. And Homeless Mike was around here, and I said, Mike, you got to go find a heater. And Mike found the heater to get the room heated up, and we flipped the heater on, the heater wouldn't come on. I said, That's weird. We tried to get the heater on. I said, That's not good, man. It's a shelter. It got to be warm in here. And so I did what any man would do. I kicked it. And I flipped a switch. And all of a sudden, the heater starts shaking. And it starts glowing. And the minute it started glowing, when I tell you, I, I, I'm not exaggerating, when I tell you there had to be a hundred thousand ants ran out of that heater the whole thing was covered in ants they were everywhere and we're jumping out and we're trying to step on the ants and i'll say but here's the deal when the heat got turned up what was inside came out when the heat gets turned up what's inside comes out your insecurity comes out. Your selfishness comes out. Your anger comes out. Your alcoholism comes out. Your addiction comes out. Your whatever, your bitterness comes out. Your unforgiveness comes out. When the heat gets turned up, you'll find out who you truly are. And you've got to step back and say, what's the purpose in this? Maybe what the purpose is is God's trying to change who you are on the inside. He wants you to be a different person because who you are is not who he designed you to be. When, when the heat... And the heater heated up. What was inside came out. So when you're dealing with stress in your life, what's coming out? You've got to learn to deal with it. 
I told you the other day, man, I've been really proud of myself and how I've been dealing with stress lately. But the other day, I let my guard down, wasn't working my steps and wasn't going through what I knew I needed to go. And I quit doing it for a few days and quit doing it for three or four days. And all of a sudden, I'm building it up and it's just packing down and packing down and packing down. Eventually, you're going to pack something so much. We were at the council the other day and I said, you know, it's almost like, remember those, I don't know if they still have these, but remember the old jars and you would pack the spring snake in it and you'd push it down, you'd open it up and it'd explode. And that's what happened to me. And the lady's like, what do you think caused that? And I said, I wasn't doing what I'm supposed to do. I got complacent. I got lazy. And as a result, this happened. God uses stress to build character. As we've been going through stressful times, because no matter how good things are, times are stressful. I stepped back this week, and I'm like, you know what? What is God's purpose in our stress right now? And for us, I don't know. For you, your stress will be different. But here's some things I believe the reason we're going through stress right now. I think God's trying to teach us to learn to trust Christ. We're really good at trusting Christ when it's great. We're really good with trusting Christ with our finances when there's money in the savings. They don't take a lot of trust. We're really good at trusting Christ when I'm working and she's working. We're really good at trusting Christ when everything's going the way we want it to go. I think God's teaching us to learn to let him be in control. Christy and I are both very much wired in a way that we want to know every next step. We don't care what the steps are. The steps can be horrible. We just want to know what the next steps are. And we're in a situation right now where we have no control over the steps. We don't call the shots in those steps. We don't know if what's happening today is going to happen tomorrow. And that's a hard thing. And I think God's saying, hey, I'm taking you through the stress because I want you to trust me. You know something else I think God's trying to teach us? He's trying to teach us that he wants us to love others. And Christine might have different purposes. So let me make that very clear. This is my evaluation. He's saying, I want you to learn to give. Give to others of your time, your talent, your treasures, without expecting anything back. When you're giving and they know they're taking advantage, you keep on giving. Because I laid it on your heart to give. Some stressful times are Those are just the lessons I think God's teaching us. What's God teaching you? But you know how I got to that point this week? I had to step back. I had to breathe. And I began to examine everything that was going on in our life, looking for the purpose and the stress, because the stress isn't going away. But now when the stress hits, I can stop and breathe and deal with the purpose of the stress. Not only that, they understood the importance of trusting God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God, and give him the throne of his father David. Imagine this scene with me again. You're a virgin. An angel appears to you and tells you, guess what, you're pregnant with the Messiah. How are you going to explain that to your mom and dad? How are you going to explain that to your friends? There's some things that just don't make sense. And this is one of them. But guess what Mary did? She trusted God. There's no way she comprehended this. There's no way she understood this. There's no way this made sense to her. But the Bible never says she argued. The Bible never says she questioned. The Bible never says she debated. She just sat back and she trusted God. Sometimes, most of the time, you got to trust the process. The process works if you trust the process. Sometimes you're not going to understand the process. Sometimes you're going to get frustrated in the process. Sometimes you're going to get overwhelmed in the process, but you work the process. I've been working the process in my life in a certain year for about a year now. And there was times I felt like giving up in the middle of the process. There was times I felt like walking away in the middle of the process. There was times I thought to myself, man, the process is never going 
to work, but I knew what the process was, and I knew what I needed to do, and I began to trust God, and guess what? It's still not where it should be, but it's amazing. It's a whole lot better than it was a year ago. It's a whole lot better than it was even six months ago. It's a whole lot better than it was three months ago. You got to work the process, even when you're not getting the results you like in the middle of the process. You got to do it because you got to trust God. We want everything on our time. You don't get to call the shots on your time. God's time is not your time. God's probably trying to teach you that you're not in control of the situation. So breathe, chill, and let God be God. She trusted God because, listen, there's times you can't do anything else. I imagine as Mary scanned the landscape of her situation, she said, man, there ain't nothing else I can do but trust God. This makes no sense. This is mind-boggling to me. All I can do is trust God. I don't understand why this is happening to me. Sometimes it's happening to you, again, like I said, because you make stupid decisions, but sometimes it just happens. Mary didn't make a stupid decision, but God had to take her through the fire to refine her. Maybe God's refining you and making you a better person than you ever thought you'd be. When life has you running around in circles and and when you feel like you can't get another thing on your plate or you'll kill over when you don't think you can take any more bad news. Has anybody ever been there? I can't take any more bad news. You simply got to trust God. Let me tell you the biggest lie in the church. I hear it everywhere. I hear it everywhere. Biggest lie in the church. Ready? God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. Because if you can handle it, you don't need God. He will give you more than you can ever handle in hopes that eventually that's when you turn to him and ask him to help you carry the load. If I can handle it, what do I need God for? And we tell everybody, don't worry, I know everything's falling apart. It's okay, but God will never give you. He must think you're so strong. He'll never give you more than you can handle. I'm like, man, just admit you can't handle it. Get over with. Quit trying to hold it up and let God handle it. Psalms 9.10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Isn't that so funny? We try to understand it. Sometimes there's no way to understand it. i got to be honest with you. It's easy for me to trust God when things are perfect. It's easy for me to trust God when things are going great. When I'm in control, when I know the outcome, it's hard for me to trust God when I ain't in control. When I'm not in control of the situation, I spend so much time trying to figure out how to take control of the situation instead of trusting God in the situation. But God says when we don't understand, we got to trust him. When we don't know how things are going to turn out, we got to trust him. When we can't see the end, we've got to trust him. And it doesn't mean it's going to turn out the way we want it to turn out. So when it turns out the way you never wanted it to turn out, you got to trust him. That he knows best. (laughs) I know right now, man, I have dealt with more of you on a one-on-one basis recently. You're stressed beyond belief. I get it. It's a stressful time. I get it. I'm not so foolish to think we're the only ones that are stressed out right now. There are people here today, listen, there's people in this room and you don't know how you're going to make your house payment or rent payment in January. There's people here right now You don't know how you're going to provide for Christmas for your kids in seven days. There's some of you right now that don't know if you'll have a job in two months. You don't know how income's going to come in. There's some of you right now, and you know your car's on its last leg, and you're doing all you can to duct tape and chicken wire that thing together. But you know eventually it's going to give up the ghost, and you're stressed out of your mind. you got to trust God. I know that sounds cliche, and I know that sounds basic, but you got to get to the point that you trust God. When Mary and Joseph, I can't imagine their stress level. I can't imagine the anxiety they were dealing with. I can't imagine the pressure they were dealing with. And when they were dealing with that, who wouldn't be that way? I believe they just trusted God. That doesn't mean I don't believe they didn't fight. That doesn't mean I don't believe they got discouraged. That doesn't mean I don't believe they got overwhelmed. But I believe at the end of the day, they trusted God and knew that everything was going to be all right. They knew God was faithful. They knew that even though they didn't understand, that God would get them through. (laughs) If he's just God when things are great, 
He ain't much of a God. I, I, it's hard for me as a pastor. I deal with this a lot. I, it, it flies all over me when people go through hard times and they blame God. Because I'm thinking, you sure weren't blaming God when things were great. He's God in the good times and he's God in the bad times. And if he's not God in the bad times, he ain't much of a God. We always, see, that's our, that's our human nature. We love God when he's all for us. We love our spouse when they're all about us. We love our kids when they're all about us. We love everything in our life when everything's going great. But when it gets bad, we want to walk away. There's a cat in the Old Testament. He had it all. I don't have much time. I've got to rush through this. His name was Job, he, but he lost everything. He was a wealthy man, a beautiful family. He lost his possessions. He lost his status. He lost his wife. He lost all his children. He had it all, and he lost everything. In a very short period of time, Job lost everything. And it's an interesting story because God and Satan are talking. And Satan's like, of course Job serves you. Of course Job digs you. Look how much you've blessed him. If I took it all away from him, if you took it all away from him, would he still serve you? And God says, I don't know, go check it out. Just don't kill him. And he takes everything. All his livestock, his kids, he takes everything. <laughs> Look what Job says in Job 42. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. He said in the midst of losing everything, God was more real than he'd ever been. He said, before I knew of you, I had heard of you. He said, but now in the midst of tragedy and stress, he goes, there's just an amazing sense of grace through that. Any of you ever been through a period in your life that was so hellacious, but you just had that peace of God going through it? Just God revealed himself like never before. He became more real than ever. That's what Job did. He trusted God. He, he, he knew God through going through the tragedy much better than he'd ever known God before. And God begins to restore him and gives him everything back. Man, you got to trust God. God wants us to know him better. And if he's got to take everything away to get us to focus on him, he'll take everything away. So when we begin to feel stressed and pressured, we got to trust God. See, we want to self-medicate everything. Do you know that last year alone there was 42 million prescriptions just to help people sleep at night? 42 million prescriptions were given just to help people sleep because they were stressed out of their mind. It's amazing when you lay down at night, ain't it? And it's finally quiet, and all the stress starts flying through your head. It's in that time you've got to step back and breathe and trust God. <laughs> Lastly, and we've got to get out of here. They did what they could with what they had. At the end of the day, all you can do is what you can do. <laughs> this is where things got really pra get practical to me. Mary and Joseph didn't have control over a lot of things, but what they did have control over, they made work. Luke 2. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Guess what? In the midst of the craziness, the baby still came. And she could have looked and said, there's nothing I can do about it. Oh, my God, what do I do? Just let the baby live? She said, oh, she's going to do what she did. I guarantee you, Joseph got off his butt and went and got some clean hay. I guarantee you, he built a fire. I guarantee you, he went and found the cleanest cloths he could find. And they, wrapped. they did what they could do with what they had. Let me give you a reality check today, baby. Stress is coming. And at the end of the day, all you can do is what you can do. You can't do anything else. You're not in control over all your situations. You're not in control over your spouse. As much as you think you are, you're not in control over your children. You can't control your boss and whether he's going to pay you or not. You can't control this and that. You can't control the car breaking down. You can't control the refrigerator breaking. You can't control whatever stress there is. All you can do is what you can do. We got an email this morning from Amazon. I know it seems petty. We got an email this morning from Amazon. The one thing our daughter wanted, we ordered for her on Amazon. We ordered it because it said Prime. We'll be here in two days. And now they're saying it'll be here January 7th. Hold on, hold on. Here's the deal. That's horrible. Sucks. Heartbreaking. Makes me angry. Frustrates us. I, I, I hate it. But guess what? 
at the end of the day, there's nothing we can do about it. We can do what we can do. My wife doesn't know that I get these. I didn't know I got these either, but she did it today. So Christine sends the seller an email. Well, apparently when you send an email through Amazon, it sends the email to the account where you have records for it. So I'm looking at it today. I'm like, oh, she just lit them up. Mm, get them, girl. But here's what the deal. She did what she could do. She sent them an email. She said, this is not acceptable. We answered it. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, if it doesn't show up till January 7th, there's nothing that can be done about that. We did what we could do. We can't fly to their warehouse, wherever their warehouse is, kick in the door. She might think she can, and if she could, she would try it, but, and go get it. You can only do what you can do. <laughs> this isn't the circumstances Mary and Joseph wanted to be in. There's no woman that said, I want to give birth in a manger. But they did what they could with what they had. Listen, there's some things during the holiday season you can't control. We're going to get out of here. I'm going to put the flip-flops on or I can wrap it up. But I want to give you some practical things today, very specific to the holidays, that you can do over the next week to help maybe with the stress. The first thing you're going to do is you can set boundaries. Everybody's going to be calling for your time. Everybody's going to be calling for your, your finances. Everybody's going to be calling for this and for that. You set boundaries. Learn to say no. Learn to say yes. Learn to do whatever. Set boundaries for your life. The most healthy thing you can do is set boundaries. We have some boundaries set with certain people in our life. Not because we don't like those people. We just have boundaries set to keep us sane. I'll tell you one of the boundaries in our life. On, since the first year we got married. Christmas Day. We're not going anywhere. No offense to Grandpa and Grandma and Nana and Papa and everyone. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to tell the kids to get up, open all your presents, play with them 30 minutes, now go get showered, go get dressed, because we're going to drive four hours and have dinner and come back. We're not doing it. We'll do it on Christmas Eve. We'll do it on the 22nd. We'll do it on the 23rd. We'll do it on the 26th. On Christmas Day, that's our boundary. So guess what? If you want to see us on Christmas Day, guess where you got to come? You come to our house. And guess what every one of the grandparents and everybody wants to see us do? They come to our house, or they don't, and that's okay. It's our boundary. Nothing is going to, no, you might not want that boundary. I'm just giving you that as an example. That's a boundary in our house. It's not up for negotiation. So it is what it is. Learn to manage your calendar. I don't manage my calendar very well, and it bit me in the butt this Thursday, didn't it? Man, all of a sudden, I had a thousand things going on that I had committed to this person and committed to that person and committed to this person and committed to that person. It was insanity all of a sudden because I didn't manage my calendar. The most, one of the smartest things you can do is manage your calendar. Pull out your calendar. Guess what? You can only be in one place at one time, but during the holidays, everybody wants you in different places. Thursday at this building, no one ever, ever, ever uses this building. Ever! A month ago, someone said, hey, can the Cherokee County Marshals um, use the building on Thursday? I was like, yeah, for a Christmas party. I said, sure, I don't care. Oh, I didn't put it on the calendar. And then that week, someone else in the church said, hey, my band needs to shoot a music video. Man, can we stop by the building on Thursday and do it? I was like, sure. Stop on by the building. I don't care. And then someone wanted to rent some space from us in the back because they're fixing to open a restaurant. They said, hey, can we drop everything off on Thursday? I'm like, yeah, man, there's never anybody in the building. Oh, I forgot the marshals are going to be here for a party. And then Netflix calls on Wednesday. Hey, we're filming a movie in downtown Canton. would love to use your building and your parking lot for catering, casting, and all that stuff. Sure, come on. They called me Thursday. They said, there's something going on in your building? I said, no, there's nothing going on in our building. They said, we're here. There's definitely something going on in your building. I had a signed contract with these people. I said, man, there is nothing going on in our building, I promise you. He said, sir, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you. I'm looking through the window, and there is something going on in your building. <laughs> Instantly, I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's the marshal's office, and they're having a Christmas party. I forgot about that. Oh, and by the way, on the other side of the building, they're filming a music video. I forgot about that, too. Um... What are we going to do? And we worked it all out. But it was stressful. You know why it was stressful? Because I didn't manage my calendar. Manage your calendar. You can only be in one place at one time. You know what I mean? Learn how to say no. One, two, three. We're going to say it. One, two, three. Better than that. One, two, three. It's an amazing concept. No. 
No. Thank you for inviting us over. No, we can't come. We already have to be at 17 other places that day. No. Better to say no than say yes and not show up or be late and be stressed all out. Learn how to say no. Hey, check this out, novel concept, holiday stress. Decide what you're going to spend and stick to it. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. But my children want this. I know they do. And I know as a parent you want to give them everything you can, but they'll be all right. Decide what you can spend and stick to it. Realize you don't have to be at everything. Realize you don't have to be at everything. The other day, my wife was going somewhere, and she wanted me to go, and it got crazy. She said, listen, you don't have to go. And I didn't know if that was a trick or not. So I'm trying to fill it out. And guess what? She was serious. I didn't have to go. She wanted me to go, but I didn't have to go. Guess what? Avery and Emily had a school thing on the same night. I like to think I'm a pretty incredible person, but I couldn't split myself in half and be. So we had to do the parent. Anybody know? Divide and conquer? We had to divide and conquer. One went here, one went there. We met in the middle afterwards. You can't be at everything. It's okay. And then lastly, just focus on Jesus. I'm going to talk about that next week, actually. I'm not even going to elaborate. And that's next week's message. Focus on Jesus during the holidays. I'm not one of those guys that think, oh, my gosh, the holidays are evil because all the... But then it's about Jesus. Focus on Jesus. When I'm focused on Jesus, everything else falls into place. Hey, the holidays can be stressful. It's nothing new. The first Christmas ever was pretty stressful. And they gave us some steps that we can do to get through it. Let's pray.